If you're a busy professional and your health is sending you messages that something's wrong and you know that a drug is not the answer, listen up because today we're going to talk about finding the missing puzzle pieces in your healthcare regimen and what those little pebbles mean and what it actually is going to take to restore optimum health to your life so that you can continue with your successful career path. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Kieran. Welcome back for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Today my guest is Jen Maleka. Jen supports busy, health-minded professionals and she helps them find the missing pieces of their health puzzle, fix what's wrong and get back to feeling like themselves again. She has over a decade of personal training experience. She has training in functional diagnostic nutrition and transformational coaching and she empowers her clients to be the boss of their own health. Welcome, Jen. So welcome, Jen. It's so good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you and your audience today. Yeah, so we were just chatting pre-program about your ideal client and my ideal client, and there is lots and lots of overlap. So a lot of you listening, you are professionals, you work, your moms, your wives, you have busy social lives, and it's hard to find time to take care of yourself in that, and oftentimes health or health problems that's the message. That's the sign that something's wrong, that you need to slow down and pay attention. So if you're listening, that's probably you. And so Jen's going to talk about her unique approach to how she helps people understand how to navigate back to health when they're busy professionals. Yes, definitely. I mean, I was one of those people. I remember a long time ago in the beginning of my health journey, I was a busy professional working the long 12-hour days, burning the candle at both ends, essentially, and my body started to show symptoms to me that I ignored for a really, really long time, and it wasn't until I was slapped with a diagnosis of skin cancer at a very young age of 26 that um, I was like, there's something not right here. Like, I'm the healthiest, quote unquote, the healthiest person that I knew at the time. And I had no risk factors for skin cancer. I was like, my body's really trying to tell me something. And mm-hmm. that's when I was exposed to this world of functional lab testing. And I ran some tests on my body and found that I had a bunch of hormone imbalances that no blood test had ever really picked up for me and no doctor had ever discussed going on in my body. And um, I also had a congested liver and really high oxidative stress, which is essentially um, how quickly the body is aging, which was, you know, the perfect equation or formula for an environment that would cultivate something like skin cancer. And so thankfully, I had these tools and resources and I was able to um, implement some changes in my diet and my lifestyle overall to reverse what was going on in my body. And I'm happy to sit here with you today and say I'm 10 years skin cancer free mm-hmm. at this point in time. But, you know, the biggest thing that I that I started to notice or recognize through that experience was just how I had climbed the career ladder in pursuit of success while sacrificing my health at the same time. And I see mm-hmm. so many women and men out there, I work with a lot of men too, that are doing this to ourselves. I'll say ourselves because it's a continued practice even for myself. And, um, you know, I think it's just a, a factor of our society. You know, there's these expectations out there to, to be the best or do the best and have a million things going on on our plate. And we don't really 
recognize the impacts that that is having on our health until there's a significant um, issue or occurrence that happens. And we, my hope here and what we're going to discuss with the audience today is that let's not wait for that catastrophic event, like something like a cancer diagnosis, to take back control of our health. Because there's, when I look back, Karen, like there was little signs leading up to that diagnosis. Like I had all of a sudden developed seasonal allergies where I had never had them before. And I was having sensitivities to chemical smells and perfumes where those things would never, were never true for me before either. And had I paid attention to those signs early on and those symptoms, I may have prevented skin cancer in the first place, but I just continued to ignore it. And I was talking with a client this morning about that. Uh, We made great strides with her health, and now I spoke to her, and she's backsliding. She says, I'm still in my size 10s, but they're starting to be tight, and I refuse to get on the scale, and I'm bone tired, and my sleep is now disrupted, and I'm saying, well, your body is talking to you. And so it's interesting because people like you, people like me, we, we had these very successful careers, and then we had the health challenges, and we not only healed ourselves, but now we are helping to heal others. And yet I find the challenge is, and if you're listening and this is you, listen up because this is important, is to get people on that hamster wheel uh, using their health to create their wealth to stop and pay attention and really get them to listen that, hey, the way you're living your life is what's causing you to be sick and something's got to change. I think that is the hardest thing in the world. And I'm really getting to this point in my career and training professionally and personally where I'm, I'm really seeing so clearly that your personality is your health. And unless you make a ginormous personality change, you're probably going to continue to have the same health challenges. So I'd love your input on that because I know we were talking about that at the right before we started recording. Yeah, I love, I mean, I just hear so much more talk going on around this. And one of the things that I kind of say all the time is that in order to have your optimal health, you have to learn how to navigate life differently. Like you're mm-hmm. talking pre-program is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. So if you expect to be the same person continuously without making any changes there, but you want a different outcome in your health, that's just not, that's not how the universe works. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not that, you know, it's not going to work out for you. And this, I've, personally I've had to make a lot of changes in my personality to have the health that I have now recognizing like the my maniac old ways of you know putting myself last or putting too much on my plate that was driving me into the ground so one of the things that I started to notice as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner was you know I'd be giving people recommendations and they would be not following through or kind of like self-sabotaging. And a lot of people will say that, well, that's a lack of discipline or determination. And I just don't think that that's true. I think that it more comes down to mindset and not having the right tools or the behaviors to back up the changes that you want to be making. And so early on in my career, I decided to get some training in what's called neuro-linguistic programming, or we call it transformational health coaching for um, something more simplistic. And what it helps, what I get to help my clients do is actually rewire some of their belief systems and some of the behaviors that are going on in the background that are keeping them in that kind of hamster wheel, like maniac work pattern, Mm -hmm. where they can take a step back and recognize that they have worth 
in other areas of their life. It doesn't have to all be tied up in their work. And also to recognize that when you do actually have better health, you perform better at work. You know, I think a lot of us know that, but it's hard to let go of the work in order to improve the health so then we can come back and perform better at work, right? So what you're struggling at on a day-to-day basis at work, like lack of creativity or inability to handle stress or manage your employees as well as you can or be calm in certain situations, that is all a result of having not so great health. So if we work on your health, guess what's going to happen? The creativity is going to flow. You're going to have a a better ability to handle stress. You're going to handle situations with calmness and be able to go home and sleep at nighttime instead of like racking your brain over it all of the time, right? Yeah, and I love a lot of these technologies that have emerged, like the NLP and tapping and and hopefully psychedelics soon that are helping us to rewire our brains so that we actually can change the neural pathways that keep us stuck in that hamster wheel. You mentioned something else when we were talking pre-program, which I love and I talk to my clients about, and I'm just wondering if you can help people understand the role of childhood issues in their current health challenges oh my god this like is speaks to my heart right here I love talking about this yes me too so what's fascinating is that most of our belief systems are established by the age of five which it's hard to even comprehend that right but I always give this example of um, let's think of a a child, like think of a two-year-old that's, you know, napping in their crib and then they wake up and they're crying for mom and mom comes into the room. But right when the mom comes in the room, the doorbell rings and she's waiting for a package that she has to sign for. So she leaves the crying child and she goes to sign, you know, get the package and sign for it at the door because otherwise she's going to miss it. Well, in that instance, that child even though nothing malicious happened, that child can then be creating a belief system around the fact that I needed something and mom abandoned me or left. Mm -hmm. A total like innocent scenario, but there are probably a ton of those scenarios all in our lifetimes um, or all in our childhoods that have happened where at those points where we're creating a decision pivot out of that, like a decision point out of it, and then establishing a belief system that now can run in the background for the rest of our life until we maybe uncover something like that and rewire it. And some of us have grown up in homes where they're a little bit more chaotic. Like I grew up in a home with an alcoholic mom, you know, so there was different factors that happened there. And I recognize that some of my behaviors and characteristics have grown out of that environment, like the pursuit of perfection or Mm -hmm. the need to control things all of the time, um, because it was a, a mechanism of survival. And as children, we don't, you know, we're so innocent, we don't know the world any differently. So we're constantly creating these like decision points and like belief systems that can come back to kind of bite us um, and the ass is adults sometimes if we don't know, if we don't kind of pay attention to what that they're there. And so through some of the work that I do, I help clients kind of explore through that history and, and find those points. And we don't ever change what happened. Like what happened will always be true. The, the mom walking into the room and leaving will always be true. But what we do change is how we perceive that situation and what were the belief systems that were tied to that later. 
Yeah, I think it's so crucial because we are meaning makers when we're little kids and we make every, and we're also very self-centered. And so we think everything has to do with us. The fact that mm -hmm. mom didn't come when I needed her and the fact that dad didn't, wasn't there for Christmas and et cetera. And so helping people to unravel that, I'm just, it is such an integral part of healing. And I think that sometimes even some of these more functional holistic technologies that use natural foods and lifestyle can fail to address that, but I really find that for myself and others that it's really an essential key component of achieving ultimate healing. So maybe the job stays the same that somebody is in, but the way that people show up at the job, who they are being in the job changes. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of people worry that, oh, she's saying I have to have a fundamental personality change. Oh, no, I, but I... I have this career and I don't want to lose it. It doesn't mean you have to lose anything, your career, your family, but the way that you um, exist and flow through the roles that you play has to change a lot of times. Um, so I love that you incorporate that. And uh, talk a little bit more, because I love talking about my experience with how when I practiced traditional medicine, OBGYN, I had checked my thyroid at least 10 times, and it was quote unquote normal. <laughs> and then when I did the right tests and read them the right way, oh, you have low functioning thyroid. But I think that people can't hear this enough, because I will tell people that, and they'll say, oh, I'll tell my doctor to check my thyroid. And they go running to the doctor. And you don't, you're not hearing what I'm saying. They're not going to do the same test. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to read them the same way. So talk about your experience with that and why normal is not normal. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love this topic, too, because I share a similar experience to yours. So skin cancer was my first health crisis. And then estrogen dominance, toxic mold, and Hashimoto's was my second health crisis later down the road and was stuck in that rut of not being able to get answers through conventional medicine again. And there is a time and place for conventional medicine. Like if you, you know, get your arm chopped off, you need to go to a regular doctor. If you come back with Ebola virus, don't come see me, like go see your, your doctor, right? Um, but what we, I think what's happening and we're seeing this shift is that the standard of putting people into a box, like a traditional cluster of symptoms and getting a diagnosis is no longer working and people are really seeking out personalized healthcare because they're recognizing that sticking me in a box and giving me a medication is, is not working either. And so many people that I'm sure we both work with are, you know, on medications for thyroid or something like that, and they still don't feel great. So they're, they're still searching for that. When, when do I get to feel like my best again? When do I get to feel at home in my body again? Like a, a medication or a diagnosis is not necessarily the solution to that. And so with the, the functional medicine testing, like something that I incorporate and complement into my work is that it does, it gives us insights into what is actually happening in the body. And I think that um, the Dutch hormone test is a perfect example of this because I always explain this when I, I'm consulting with clients on, on what it's actually showing us, like all the insights that we get out of it. Like you can do a regular blood test to look at hormones and it's going to show you the bound hormone, which can be insightful. Um, that's hormone that the body's already kind of used. It's waste product. It doesn't show you what's available versus something like on a Dutch test, we can see what's 
the free hormone, what is available for the body, we can see how the hormones are moving through the pathways, which can give us insights about your liver along with your estrogens and your progesterones, or if there's insulin resistance or carbon tolerance that's going on or lack of nutrients that are happening. And so the struggle I think here is that you know, there's research that shows us that on average, it takes about 17 to 18 years for new information to reach a doctor's desk, mm -hmm. right? And then there's the time we have to account for for them to actually read the research and for them to put it into practice. And then you think about medical schools, like how long does it even take for them to get that new research into their teaching? And so there's really, um, there's just like a traffic jam in the, you know, communication highway of information in our traditional medical system right now. And that's where I think that people like you and I are out here pioneering and getting, we have access, we, we both belong to an amazing community of functional medicine practitioners and, and health people. We're at the forefront of this information where we can get it into the hands of the people that need to hear it the most, because I think that regardless, like we need to be our own advocates. So I have an amazing naturopathic doctor that I personally work with because we all need our own doctors, right? But I am still my own advocate doing my own research and bringing information to her and having a collaborative conversation about my health. And when I was in the throes of Hashimoto's, what my treatment plan should look like or what I wanted it to look like, what were my goals in relation to that. And so I think that it's so important for um, us to be out educating people about their options out there because there are newer, better tests that are coming out all of the time. There's new research coming out all of the time. And, and some of it's good information, some of it's bad. So you know, having people like you and I available that can help sit, sift through the information too is, you know, hugely helpful for everyone. Right. I, I think that part of the problem is that the research on drugs happens very quickly and pharmaceutical companies roll out their marketing very quickly and they have very skilled sales teams and now the direct consumer where they're selling to consumers who then go demand that drug. That's very uh, vibrant, but what seems to take the longest to get to the mainstream is information like one of my favorite studies that went did the first line antihypertensive to meditate meditation for three months on new diagnosis of hypertension and the meditation outperformed the first line antihypertensive. Well, if you go to any, into any primary care doctor's office in this country with a new hypertensive patient, they're not going to prescribe meditation. Well, why is that? There's no drug company pushing it. There's no sales force. There's no commercial on TV. Try, mm -hmm. Do meditation for your high blood pressure. It works right. better than X medication. And so I think that there's this huge bias in what actually does make it into the mainstream treatment medical literature. And um, I don't think that most the average citizen is aware of that and they really mm -hmm. think that they're getting a balanced and full view of what's available from their doctor and not realizing that the doctor has five minutes to, to see you and probably 10 minutes of paperwork after you leave to do on your five-minute visit and mm -hmm. that they're really going to 
oftentimes do the most expeditious thing and don't really have the time to read the journals and, and learn about the latest technologies. So yes, this is why, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about getting the word out and speaking the truth so that women know if just one woman hears this and says, hey, you know, I've been on one or two antihypertensives and I might, you know, look into starting meditation. Well, I feel like I've accomplished something. And so um, I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing it as well. Yeah, I think that we just have to start questioning the status quo, right? Because I one time in a blog wrote about like, who put a doctor on a pedestal and said that they are the word of God when it comes to like medicine, you know, or how to work with people or, and also the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, why we've gotten to a place where we're so trusting, but that what we're seeing is that our trust is being broken because there are so many broken people walking around who are still suffering. Right. And one of the things that I like to say is like, you should never sacrifice for anything else less than what you deserve when it comes to your health and well-being, And so if you are going to seek out solutions and answers about what's going on in your health and you're just getting slapped with a medication after medication or, um, you know, inconsistent answers, like you deserve better for that mm-hmm. um, or better than that. And you deserve to, it is possible to get back to feeling like yourself again. I mean, I've come back from Hashimoto's and skin cancer and all these things. And I can tell you now that I feel better more comfortable, more confident in my body than I've ever felt in my entire life. It is possible. It's all about finding the right resources, the right tools, the right lab tests, and the right person to work with. And there's a, the right person is going to be different for everybody because we all bring something unique to the table. But I think that one thing that you and I for sure have in common is like a determination to help somebody. Like if, if a client comes to me and I don't know exactly how to solve their problem. I'm not just going to turn them away and say, I'm sorry, see you later. There's a determination with inside of me to do the research, to find the information, to help them get their hands on the tools so that they can have their livelihood back. Because we all, all we know is we know that we get one life. I mean, there, there's things, maybe there's more out there. I don't know, but we only really know this one right now. Right. And so like, you got to make the most out of it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to comment on, put doctors on a pedestal and said they were God. Well, MD, you know, it stands for minor deity. So (laughs) that's where that comes from. But um, yes, I agree with you. And as you were talking, I was thinking of a a few different things. Um, One is I do want to get into some nuts and bolts about what are some tests that maybe people should be having done that they could have done at their regular doctors and and some caveats around that. Um, And then the other thing is just this, this whole concept of deservability. I think another issue that really hinders uh, what kind of healthcare we get as citizens is the fact that we've been conditioned to expect what we're getting. Mm-hmm. And that is a pill for every ill, a drug to control our symptoms and not truly the creation of health. And so that's why Jen and I are doing what we're doing because you deserve better. If you're listening yes. to this, you deserve better. So we're going to give you some nuts and bolts of maybe some tests that you want to have run. What are some of your favorites for if people are having the typical things that middle-aged women have, right? energy, weight, sleep, sex drive. Those are the top four. I Right. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Right. So I, when I work with somebody, I like to see the full picture up front. And mm-hmm. so I, I prefer to run 
tests that are going to look at the hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy, and nervous system all at the same time. Because our body is a complex network of symptoms that work together. So if one system in the body isn't working downstream, there's going to be problems with the other ones. And to really understand how to restore function, you need to understand what's going on. So um, how that relates to like specific tests, like the Dutch test that I, I mentioned earlier, right. that's my number one go-to hormone test. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives us so many insights about hormones and other things going on in the body. Um, I always run a stool sample test, so I tend to use the Diagnostic Solutions GI map. Mm-hmm. It helps to look at things like parasites and bacteria and yeast overgrowth, things that could be contributing to poor health with internally that we need to like work on. But there's also markers for intestinal health on there about inflammation and toxic enzymes and fat digestion and reactivity to gluten and things like that that you get so many more clues on. Um, I love running a BioHealth 101 metabolic profile, which is a simple urine test that looks at urinary bile acids. So it shows you like, are you moving bile through the liver? So it kind of tells you like, is the liver congested or not? Is that like an area of opportunity to clean up? Because the liver is where we convert thyroid hormone. It's where we eliminate excess estrogen. It's where we convert glucose to glucogen and like all the reverse of that. And on that same test, you can also look at how well you're breaking down protein. So that's important from an absorption standpoint. And are you getting nutrients? And then it also looks at that oxidative stress marker that I mentioned earlier. And then depending on what a client presents, like um, I will run a food sensitivity test, but I usually will kind of make a choice between um, Oxford Biomedical's MRT test, or I also love Cyrex Labs, their um, their ARA number 10 test as well to look, you know, usually I run that with more autoimmune type of clients Mm -hmm. to look at the food antibodies. Um, Metabolic typing, which is um, not as well known out there for most people, but it is actually a written test that you do. And it looks at, are you a fast or slow oxidizer? Are you more sympathetic or parasympathetic driven? Which basically gives us insights as to how do you metabolize food specifically? And are you somebody who's going to do better on um, slow fuel like proteins and fats or fast fuels like carbohydrates? Mm -hmm. And then it produces this ideal list of foods, which I find for clients is so helpful because it gives us a framework to work within and like some clarity around here's some foods to focus on. And I complement that with a food sensitivity test. Um, Right. Those are the Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, if, if there people are listening, they're probably thinking, oh my God, that's a whole lot of tests. <laughs> uh, that's a lot. Um, and it doesn't sound like something they could d- do themselves. Um, and so I know the first question that people always ask me is, is my insurance going to pay for that? So I, mm. I always like to put my, my mindset on when I do the interview of if I'm listening to this as a potential client, what am I thinking? Um, and so I'd love it if you could talk about that question and how you discuss the insurance issue with people. Definitely. So I, this is a question that comes up all the time. And first and foremost, I think that people should be educated about health insurance in the first place, because Mm -hmm. there are options out there. And you really want to educate yourself about your insurance options, because you may be in an insurance plan right now that limits your flexibility with being able to spend money on these types of tests. 
Mm -hmm. um, most of these tests are not covered by insurance, even if you go and get them ordered through a medical doctor, because they are not recognized by insurance companies as something that is warranted to be covered for. Mm -hmm. So um, just like we have kind of the pharmaceutical industry that's taking control in our, our medical world, we also have the insurance companies that have gone through and regulated and deemed like, yep, this is a, an okay test for you to run and this is not an okay test. We don't see that this is warranted at all. Like the struggle with getting a thyroid panel, a thyroid panel is typically something that can be covered under insurance, but your insurance may not cover all of the markers on the thyroid panel because they don't see that it's warranted to do so. But who are they to decide? Right. And if you're, if you're struggling with issues that might be related to the thyroid, it should be you as the consumer or the client should be making those choices, not them, right? So this is the struggle, the predicament that we tend to be in. So for somebody who wants more flexibility and freedom in their insurance coverage, then looking at something like a high deductible PPO with a health savings account is probably going to be one of your better options. It allows you, gives you more flexibility to go to a wider network of providers. And what's really cool about the health savings account is that it's an opportunity for you to put pre-tax dollars away into a special savings or checking account. And those, that, those funds can be used to pay for any of these lab tests that we're talking about, they can also be used to pay for supplements that you might be um, purchasing as a result to help to correct your health, um, oftentimes for chiropractic exams, like acupuncture, all that kind of stuff. And in some cases, people talk about an HSA account as like a secondary 401k because it's money that you'll always own. It belongs to you. And depending on your place of employment, your employer may even match money into your health savings account. And so that money is still yours. Even if you leave that place of employment, all that money gets to come with you. So that's the first point that I want to make about this. Yeah, and, and I always help people to understand that we typically put healthcare expenditures in the uh, expense column and not in the investment column, but really if your health is your greatest asset because there are certain health conditions that once you have them, they're not reversible. And so, you know, you can, you can buy another house, you can buy another car. I mean, money is, can come and go, but your health Yes, it can come and go to a certain degree, but at some point it, it may not. And so I always help people to understand this is your greatest investment. So money that you spend on your health needs to go into the investment column. Exactly. Uh, not into the expense expenditure column. And uh, I, I think that that really helps people in it and put it into perspective. I, I know for me, how much I invest, that's, that's probably one of my biggest expenditures is on my health. Mm -hmm. Me too. <laughs> and that's exactly the second point that I wanted to make about it is, it is an investment in your future. I mean, you think when people bring up money as an issue in regards to the, the test, we have an open conversation about this. Well, can you really afford not to do this? Because what is it right. going to cost you if you don't? Like your productivity at work is going to continue to decline. Your quality of life is going to continue to decline. You may actually reach a catastrophic event where now you do have a huge medical bill associated with that because you fell asleep at the wheel because you're so tired or you had a heart attack or something else happened. So we really do need to look at it as an investment. And what I find is fascinating is when we do invest in our health, we perform better in life. We get the, the um, pay raise. We get the career adva advancements because we're performing better. And it equates to 
more money in our life actually when we do have better health because the opportunities just continue to open for us. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you something else that you deal with. You know, there's a lot of overlap in what we do. And so I, when I get the opportunity to speak with someone who really has a good overlap with me, I love to bring up the issues that I'm challenged with in working with clients. And so love to see how you navigate these. And one of them is alcohol. How do you navigate alcohol? This is also something that people are very interested in knowing about. Sometimes before they work with me, are you going to make me give up my alcohol? It's <laughs> usually a red flag. Right? Uh, I'm wondering how you navigate that with people. Yeah, I think that first it's building trust in the process. So mm -hmm. if that's a big deal for clients, I don't pull it right out from underneath them right away. We say, okay, like what would be some realistic um, boundaries that we could set around alcohol. Like I refer back to um, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. I remember in her, one of the first books that I read of hers, like she talked about like four drinks per week or less. And so I kind of bring up, that up as an example is like, is that workable? Because then if you're at a work function or something or like on a Friday or Saturday night, it's like two drinks here, two drinks there. And usually that's like an easy place to start with. Um, and then what I really work on is cultivating a connection with the body and starting to create positive and negative feedback loops about how the body is responding to certain foods or, or drinks like alcohol. So I actually have clients go through this process of what I call a food and body language log journaling, where they either eat or drink things and then they check in with their body about 30 minutes to two hours later and they notice how the body is responding. and the negative responses will give them clues um, about what things aren't working for their body. Mm -hmm. And the, the cool thing is when we start to create this connection, we can start to see like, oh, when I have that, I feel brain fog or I feel crappy the next day versus when I choose this, I feel clear-minded and creative and I have all the things that I want. So then we start to create this presence or awareness. Now you can make a conscious decision about, how it is that you want to feel and that's where your food and your beverage choices start to come from and when we make choices from that place it no longer feels like deprivation it comes from a place of empowerment it makes it much easier to make those choices when you start to make the connection of how you feel and like i tell my clients to play this game with themselves like sit there and ask yourself is it worth it if you're going to have that glass of wine Think about how you're going to feel tomorrow and is it worth it? And if you've got nothing on your schedule, like nothing to do tomorrow and you can sleep in and just relax it off or whatever, then maybe it's totally 100% worth it. But if you've got like a slam day tomorrow where you need to be on your A game and that glass of wine is going to create brain fog and you're not going to be able to operate properly like you want to, then maybe it's not going to be worth it in that moment in time. And then I also say like, I'm a huge foodie and I love to travel. Mm -hmm. So like, I like 99.9% .9 of the time avoid gluten or alcohol and a lot of those other things. But if there's a once in a lifetime opportunity to go to Italy and eat some like homemade pizza made out of mama's back, you know, kitchen or something like mm -hmm. I'm going to eat it because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity versus I'm going to, you know, drink it because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity because that's not something that I could normally get at home. If it's just like a run of the mill day and a run of the mill glass of wine, like what's the point? 
you know, like. <laughs> the wheat in Italy is different than the wheat that we have over here. So the gluten concentration is less, but I'm with you. If I'm going to Italy, I'm going to eat the pasta. I'm just going to just take it and eat it. Um, yeah. So yes, great. I love that approach. Um, so really a kind of a learning about self and really tuning in. I think that part of the reason why we successful women get into these health pitfalls is because we disconnect from our bodies and we stop paying attention to what's going on. And the fact that, oh, when I do have, you know, more than one glass of wine, the next day, I really don't feel good. And then I'm drinking more coffee because I need the caffeine and, you know, and so on and so on. So tuning back into what the truth is. And speaking of that, we have a few more minutes. I know that you have um, five gifts that you want to give your gut to help with your health and reverse autoimmunity and other issues. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the five tips here, I mean, the, the first thing is, and I think these are things that are just, you know, maybe not talked about enough. And the, the first is sleep. I mean, I often will say, like, we need to learn to value sleep more than we value diet and exercise, because your diet and exercise efforts will be diminished if you're not getting adequate, good quality sleep. And so that's got to be your number one priority. When you start sleeping better, you're going to notice instant improvements and in results in all areas of your life, ability to handle stress, weight loss, whatever it is that you're seeking. So I think that's first and foremost. Um, the second is actually maybe considering turning down the intensity on your exercise routine. So all of us on here, I'm sure listening, like we're all these A-type personalities, super like, you know, success driven. And this is a lesson that I had to learn was that the intensity of my exercise routine was actually adding additional stress mm -hmm. or depleting my body even more when my body was in a depleted state. And so I could just never recover. And this was huge for me, my Hashimoto's and autoimmune healing journey was I, I had to cut back. I came from a, a history of Olympic lifting and being a personal trainer. So I really had to cut back on the exercise intensity and allow my body the space and the time to heal. So recognize that, you know, if you're Right. And, but I just want to say if you're someone listening and that's, and your exercise routine is not going to the gym, that is not you. You do not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Movement is critical on a daily basis. Let's just clarify that part of it. Um, and then I think that the third one is really figuring out what foods are right for your body. So there's a lot of dietary theories that are out there. And, and what I have found works best for everybody that I work with is pulling pieces of different dietary theories to, to blend it together, to find something that fits them, like going with an autoimmune paleo diet that's going to help to eliminate inflammatory foods and blending that with a keto style diet that's going to give them the right ratios of maybe carbs and fats and proteins that they need. So there is no one size fits all. Your body is your unique and therefore your diet is going to be too, right? Um, yeah. I think that the, the fourth one is what we kind of talked about earlier was just understanding that you may need to learn to navigate life differently. The person that you have been or that the only person that you know how to be right now may not be the behaviors that are going to support the health that you are striving for. And, and, 
having forgiveness with that and acceptance and surrendering to that too, because it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong, that you should beat yourself up over it. It just means that there's an opportunity to change if you're willing to make the changes. Um, and I think that's just so important as well. And the fifth one I would say then is going to be in relation to toxins. Um, that's just something that I find with clients that is not, again, talked about or that they're not aware about enough. And we live in a huge human chemical experiment right now in our world in this day and age. Right? <laughs> we're, a, we're a big chemistry experiment. We're living. Yes. Yep. And we don't even re realize like just, um, I love Chris Kresser said this so wonderful at a talk that he gave at paleo effects that he gave the example of like, when it comes to chemicals and toxins, we think that it has to be in huge amounts like doses. Um, he's like, but in perspective, like it could be the size of like, I think he said a teaspoon or a tablespoon in comparison to Olympic size pool. Like it doesn't take a lot in order for toxins to have a huge negative impact on your overall health and well-being. And there are, some toxins that are completely outside of our control, like things that might be going on in our office buildings that we're working in. Um, but I always encourage clients to look at the things that are within your control, which are the things that you put in and on your body first and foremost, yep. right? And then seeing from there, where can you expand and improve your air quality or other things that might be going on? And, and ultimately realizing that if your work environment is very toxic, which some of my clients have, had those situations because there's mold or something going on like yeah. if you're dealing with a real health issue this is another opportunity for you to stand in your power and to say like I need to work from home because this this environment is toxic or I need to move because this environment is toxic and regain that that power that you have when it comes to your health and not be afraid to stand up for yourself and what it is that you need Right. I, I, I want to just reemphasize that last point about the toxicity, getting rid of the toxins in your life. Um, I really think that the things that we can't see that are affecting our health, this is the next frontier that people are starting to wake up to. And if you're listening, wake up to this now, because this is probably the difference between you being optimally healthy or not that you're missing if you're missing something. It's the effect of toxins in your life. And I love how you said it, what you put in and on your body, and then I'll just add, and in your home, uh, because that's your second body, it's your second skin, and so what are you using in your home that uh, could be toxic? Jen, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your passion and your path and your purpose with us. Um, it's just been delightful talking with you and the insight that you have and the empowerment that you help to give women. Thank you so much for the work that you do please tell everyone your top three tips because we covered a lot of territory that you would give them the, the call to action today to three things that they could do. So three things that they can do is one. So in relation to sleep is get to bed by 10 PM. Trust me, your body will thank you for it. 100%. Um, really pay attention, like start to just tune into your body about the foods that you're eating. Like know that there is a difference between eating healthy and eating right for your body. So just because you're eating quote unquote a healthy food may not be necessarily right for your body. So just start to pay attention and cultivate that consciousness and trust your, your intuition. Us women have, we have this intuition 
that we just don't always trust sometimes. So pay attention to that and you'll start to be able to recognize, oh, this food's good for me and this food's not. And then you'll feel better as a result of that as well. And then I think that the probably third and easiest step for them to do from what we've talked about today is starting to pay attention to those toxins. That's something very tangible. You can take a look at your personal care products, your cleaning products, what's going on in your home. Are you eating organic foods? Are you drinking filtered water? And start to make some shifts and changes. And don't feel overwhelmed like you need to do it all overnight. Do it one thing at a time. You know, you run out of your concealer, swap it for something that's a little bit more eco-friendly or less toxic, right? Right. Great tips. I love those. And the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. You certainly exemplify that and help women to create that in their lives. I'd love it if you could share with everyone what that means to you. So that means feeling at home and 100% confident and comfortable in your own body. Because when you feel that way, you are the most brilliant, magnificent version of you ever. And it's something that every single one of us deserves. Yes. I <laughs> said it better. Please tell everyone how they can find out more about you. So um, I'm really active on Instagram. You can follow me at Holistic Health Boss. Uh, Holistic is with a W, like whole or whole foods, empowering the whole body naturally. Um, also on Facebook at Holistic Health Boss, and my website is holistichealthboss.com. Awesome. Well, definitely check it out. And thank you so much for joining us today, Jen. Thanks for having me.